Hello, and welcome to Showing Up with Asher Gottesman. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and or review, or simply share with a friend. You can also follow me on the Instagram, at the Asher G, and I do respond. Today, we have an incredibly exciting guest, who I've watched some of her YouTube uh, videos, and they're incredible. Jen Cutting. She is a woman in long-term recovery, a certified addiction recovery coach, and certified recovery peer advocate, as well as a rape crisis counselor. In addition to that, she is a Narcon, Narcan, not Narcon, that would be Narcanon, very interesting um, uh, slip, Narcan trainer and a harm reduction advocate. I want to talk about that too. But she is probably best known for her YouTube channel where she talks about life in and after prison and what she is doing to show up for her community. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you for having me. This is wonderful. I'm super excited about this. This is awesome. So the big question, how'd you end up in prison? Let's start Oh my God, that. which time? I mean, there's been so many times that I've been in prison, sadly enough. Um, you know, my substance use disorder. I was a raging heroin addict for years and I finally got that under control. And then I switched to methamphetamines. And uh, by the grace of my higher power, I will have four years sober this October. Oh, that's fantastic. Yes, thank you. It has been a battle and a half, but you know, I just feel like anything that's ever worth anything is always a fight. So sure. Well, what was that moment that you got sober? I, I, you know, everybody calls it the bottom, which I I say is not necessarily right the lowest point, but I'd love to hear from you. What was it? So I had my daughter in prison and I had vowed to her and myself, I guess, in a sense, that she would never see me as an active addict and she would never have to live a life like that. And then she did. And I knew I was headed downhill, but I just, you know, typical addict, I couldn't stop it. And I got incarcerated and I had to give custody of her to my parents because that was in her best interest. And I was sitting in a cell and I was locked in for 65 days into solitary confinement. And I remember just sitting there one day and I was like, I can't fucking do this anymore. Like, I can't do this. Like at the time I had a five-year-old little girl and I said, I didn't grow up like this and she's going to. So if I don't get my shit together, she's just going to repeat this process. And I owe it to her to not ruin her life inadvertently through ruining my own. Wow. That's unbelievable. Why were you in solitary confinement? A whole slew of things. When I went into the jail, I was detoxing. And if anyone's ever detoxed, they know it's not not a fun time. And I just didn't have my whereabouts about me. I am a person who wears glasses. I didn't have my glasses with me. I couldn't see the clock on the wall. You weren't allowed to go under your blankets until 9 p.m. It was 8 p.m. And I went under my blankets. Um, uh, But corrections officer said something to me and I answered her back thinking that's what I was supposed to do when it wasn't you know it was just 30 days here 15 days there 30 days there they just kept hitting me hitting me and I ended up at 65 days and in one sense looking back now it was hell to go through but I'm actually grateful for it because I might not have had these conversations with myself if I was in general population trying to get bailed out and all this other you know things that we go through How long were you in for at that time? When I got uh, put into segregation? Mm -hmm. Six days. Uh, No. Oh, wow. 
<laughs> that's <Yeah>. that, <laughs> well, you were, you were, you were, were you detoxing from meth? Oh my God. Was I? Yes. Okay. So you're out of, you were out of your mind. Yes. So, yes. Meth tends to do that, right? The yeah. Psych- oh yeah. The psych- it was, it was the psychosis, but how long was your, your prison sentence? That last time I did 22 months. 22 months. And you got sober after that detox. Did you stay sober in prison? Correct. I have never picked up another drug. I even quit smoking cigarettes. The worst things I do now is I drink too much coffee and I drive too fast. Fantastic. So you, I, I, if you, if you keep that up, you'll probably be, probably be okay. I can't promise. Yeah. Coffee Coffee's a really gnarly addiction. You know. uh, <laughs> I mean, no, meth, 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 coffee, mm, right. You know, real close. Uh, right. So, so 20, so what did you, you know, every, I, everybody tells me I, I've never been to prison by the grace of God. I'm 13 years sober. Everybody oh God, tells me. Yeah. Thank you. Everybody tells me that in prison drugs are available. So I assume they, they were available, right? They're rampant. Like it's easier to get a bag of dope inside, like sincerely than, than it is outside because you don't have to leave your house because it's right there in the compound. The most you might have to do is go to the yard. You know, everybody knows package days, certain people visit days, you know, Suboxone. I, and I work in the field now and I see more Suboxone on the inside than I have in the free world, which is mind-blowing i mean it's unbelievably expensive inside you know it's like 75 bucks a strip but it's always there and your tolerance is so down because you don't have you know you're not getting as much that you can buy a strip and be high for like a month like it's crazy <laughs> you know well, so firstly how does somebody pace i i do uh the more important question is how did you do it when you were in prison and how did you stay sober, especially, you know, the such, the, such, you know, against all odds. That's the more yeah. important question. So, the less important yeah. question and the curiosity question is how the hell does somebody pay 75 bucks? Like, where do they come People up with that People on the money? outside pay it for them. You Western Union to the money and upon pickup, you uh, provide packs of cigarettes. That's, that's the, there you go. There is that part. But um, how and why did I stay sober? So as I mentioned before, I have a nine, almost 10-year-old daughter who Mm -hmm. I just got full custody back of two weeks ago. Unbelievable. Mazel tov. Thank you. Thank you. And she is, you know, you go through these shitty situations and you really start to realize what in your life is truly important and what is not. And I'm married and I have a lovely relationship with my husband and he's my best friend, but you never truly realize the love of your life is the little person you created until that's taken away from you. Mm -hmm. And my daughter is, she's everything to me. She is the true love of my life. And I have a very tumultuous relationship with my parents, unfortunately, due to Bad parenting and substance use disorder, bad combination. You know, they they were bad parents and I have substance use disorder and it just doesn't match. And um, I was for 15 months, I had no physical contact with my daughter while I was incarcerated. And I had to go to court to get permission or, you know, basically I had to bring my parents to court and have a judge tell them like, you can't do this. This is not right. And that was the only way I was able to see my child. So I had so much drive and passion for my child while I was incarcerated. 
that I wasn't going to take the chance potentially of getting randomly drug tested and being dirty and getting that possibility of seeing my child taken away from me. You know, you don't know pain until your baby's taken away from you. And I had my daughter in prison. I, I breastfed her exclusively for three years. You know what I mean? Like I did so many things to be the mother she deserved and then started getting high again and threw everything to the wind. And I, I let myself down. I let her down. And I just, I made a promise to myself that that, that shit was never going to fly again. And she was really, you know, I, I tell my clients this too, like you have to be the reason you get sober. Your child can't be, but at mm -hmm. the end of the day, if that's your drive to help you help yourself, then so be it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That makes total sense. Mm -hmm. And did you go to meetings in prison? No, I really didn't. Um, I had some people that I started working with while I was in the county jail that I continued to stay in touch with. And, um, phone calls and letters. And, um, I had a recovery Bible that I used. Um, I have a very strong connection with my higher power. I always have. Um, and I tell everybody, you know, your higher power is what you make of it. Your higher power doesn't have to be Jesus Christ or whoever it is that people think is supposed to be that person. It, it can be anybody or anything, even just as long as you have a faith in something, the world, the universe, whatever the case may be. That's that is very true. You mm -hmm. know, for me, for me, I had to redefine my relationship with my higher power. I grew up, you know, the son of an Orthodox rabbi and the oh. it, it, the higher power was a very punishing God, um, yes. even even though truthfully, when you study Judaism, he's really not or it's really not a punishing God, uh, you know, yet I had to completely redefine because I was always the get me out of jail and I will. I'll turn my life around only to not, only not to turn my life around the next moment. So right. how are you staying sober outside of, you know, now you've been out in two years. Is that what it is? Yeah, two years. So how, so how are you staying sober outside? So uh, I'm very involved in my community. I'm um, I actually now believe it or not, I'm actually the recovery coach in the same jail. I was an inmate in. Um, and I created a program called supplies for life, where I help people newly home from incarceration, rehabs, mental institutions, the shelter, wherever, wherever our addiction takes us, which is many, many shitty roads. And, um, I test people's drugs for them. I'm also a syringe peer. I teach them how to properly inject and, um, you know, all those things just really help keep me sober. and. I have to admit it, and it, I never thought there would be a time in my life where I would say this. Drugs scare me now. You know, back in the day when I first started getting high, even four or five years ago when I was getting high, drugs were a good time, if you will. But now, drugs are, are they're scary, man. They're stealing people's souls. Like, Drugs are not your friends anymore. It is not a good time. They are so tainted and so dirty. People are overdosing and not recovering, you know, and we can't recover six feet under. And unfortunately, in the last year alone, because of the pandemic, 11, 11 of my people overdosed. Nine of them didn't make it. Wow. Horrible. And no, it's, it's, it's just it, disgusting. I, I, I would guess if they looked at the numbers, more people died of mental illness and drug related than COVID itself. 
I know? mean, I, I, I say this all the time. Everyone's like, oh, this is the first pandemic. And I'm like, no, it is not. I mean, have you ever heard of, of the opioid crisis? That's our first pandemic. That is a worldwide issue. And now methamphetamines is, is right behind it. If not next to it, meth is going to kill the world. It is just, I, I don't even know what to say about it. It's just absurd. So I was in a documentary back in 2017 called Smacked. My good, good friend, Jessica Vecchione is a creator. And, um, I said to her back then when she interviewed me while I was in jail still, I said to her, like, meth is the new death on the street. Like, meth is going to be the killer of, of the opiate crisis. And unfortunately, in my area, meth is terrible. And well, the bad it's, part it's, is, cheaper. it's cheaper, right? Absolutely. It's cheaper. But mm. now they're putting tons and tons and tons of fentanyl into methamphetamines as well. So, oh, wow. Yes. People around here, a lot of my clients are having uh, blood clots in their legs because, you know, things aren't flowing properly. Um, that's why I try so hard to give as many clean supplies out as possible because, hold on, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, because, you know, people are using bad dirty needles, sharing needles. It's just everything is just piling up on top of each other, on top of each other. And the pandemic just, unfortunately, we're still feeling the effects of that because now my syringe program that supplies me, they're having a hard time supplying me with the supplies I needed because they're taking, New York State is taking all the needles for the COVID vaccine. Oh, wow. I didn't, that's a very interesting, mm -hmm. you know, you don't, you don't, you don't really, you don't really, you don't really think of those details. Wow. Right. So I have, I actually have made a harm reduction wish list, you know, by request only because I don't want to trigger anyone. It's not everyone's cup of tea. But if it wasn't for my subscribers sending me syringes and glass pieces and cotton and things like that off that, I wouldn't even be able to be doing a lot of the work that I'm still able to do because of it. Excuse my ignorance. What do you use glass pieces for? Okay. So I give them a fancy name and call them glass pieces. They're, they're oil burners. They're basically. Made okay. Got it. Got it. <laughs> I try to be as um, PC as possible because I don't, you know, you never know what can trigger somebody. So I try and be, you know, fancy. Got it. Okay. Here's a, something they can smoke from. Uh, right. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah, you know, and go, going back to meth is what's, you know, with opiates from a crisis perspective, you know, I, I say us as people that have the privilege to work with people who suffer we we differ mm. right you know our goals are to help people get jobs get life so that they don't want to use drugs right? right that's our that's our goal so they don't feel the need to deal with the underlying issues the from a social i don't know from a community governmental perspective they just don't want people stealing dying on the streets right you know and what's what they're what they don't realize is with meth the you know it's gonna it, they'll all die it's just gonna take longer and they're gonna unfortunately they're gonna lose their minds in the process Correct. so much crime is gonna happen and it's a it's an epidemic or pandemic or whatever it is that um you know uh you know that's going to be you know out of control Absolutely. from them. and that's the thing like a lot 
the part, okay, so we've been in the opioid crisis for decades now. So mm -hmm. there are people who have done their homework and have learned and have educated themselves on what is truly happening. But then you have now this meth epidemic, if you will, and it's, it's new, but it's not new. For the people who know, they know. But for the other people, they haven't known. So they're like, what is this? And they don't understand why this is so incredibly detrimental to people's mental well-being. You know, your mind can only be manipulated and toyed with so much before it literally breaks and gives. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, meth psychosis is a real thing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people have this break and they don't ever recover from it. And they are broken mentally, their serotonin and their thought process and just who they are never comes back. And some people um, develop, I, I don't want to exactly say split personality, but they've already had high mental illness. And then they go into these psychosis and it breaks them and they develop just these disorders that are not able to be treated because they can no longer be given a stimulant mm -hmm. because they've overdone it on the stimulants. And it's just, it, it, it's, it, it's just a disaster, literally. It, it's, it, it's horrible. Mm -hmm. so, so yeah, it's really, I mean, and it's scary and people make, no, people don't make sense. And sometimes people never come back from it. That's, Correct. You, know, you know, so mm -hmm. what the crisis we're creating it, I actually think this crisis goes back all the way to Ronald Reagan. If you want me to I uh, don't talk about that, because the fact that he, that he, that the fact that that government didn't, you know, did it, did it allowed people to leave the hospital, started treating mental illness as a, as a acute sickness instead of a chronic illness led mm -hmm. to drug addiction being acute illness, not a chronic illness so on and so forth and then you know what do you expect somebody who's having voices in their head uh you know to do or they're living on the street and you know they can get they can have a Correct. six hours of respite for 10 bucks i do it absolutely 100 and then that also goes into the next part of the crisis from their administration the war on drugs we're still having all this this from from that propaganda of the worst i mean i get it they were struggling they didn't know what to do they were uneducated they felt like this crisis happened and they tried to take a strong stance and do the right thing but it was the complete wrong thing it has literally turned our communities upside down and we are left with this whirlwind of bullshit now we have this militia type style police force that when it comes to the war on drugs wants to just mass incarcerate people instead of getting them help. I mean, look at countries like Portugal, look at their model. They don't believe in mass arrests and things of that nature. They believe in like, let's sit down and actually get some counseling and talk about what's going on. We're going to find you, but we're also going to support you. So, which is very interesting that you mentioned that because what we end up doing in the United States is one of two things. We either ignore it completely and we have what is going on in California today, which is okay, all drug crimes, all you know, basically, I don't, I don't want to. All nonviolent crimes, let's not prosecute them at all. Instead of, hold on a second, if somebody's got mental illness, let's not mm -hmm. prosecute it. Let's treat it. Correct. Right? Let's look at it. Let's utilize it as an opportunity 
to actually help somebody if they need medication, get medication, whatever they need to be able to function within society. Let's utilize it. It's just always a you know a a zero or a hundred. It's or black. It's black. Yep. They try to make it black and white, which leads to our next conversation, which is harm reduction. You know, so there is the world of abstinence, which means don't ever use, and if you don't stop using completely you're screwed or you're whatever you are and then there's the world of harm reduction which is we're going to meet you where you're at and we're going to love you no matter what and we're going to support you and offer you community Mm -hmm. with the goal of x right so unfortunately uh at least in, in in from my point of view the two don't meet which the sad part is we're both trying to accomplish not we yeah, we are both. I, I stand in both sides, actually. I wear both. So right. So we are trying to accomplish the same thing. Right. All we're trying to do is help li- people live productive, happy, healthy lives. So right. if they can do it by harm reduction, God bless. And if they can do it by abstinence, God bless. Why do we have to remain religious about it is ridiculous. That being said, I'd love to know what your goal is when you work with somebody on a harm reduction basis. So, you know, my tagline has always been with my people, I love you, don't die. And I, I sincerely mean that. I love you, don't die. So harm reduction has all of a sudden become really popular. You know, like sober is the new cool, harm reduction is even cooler. And a lot of people, they say they understand it and they believe in it. And I'm cool with that. Uh, I feel like it is my job to educate them so they truly understand. And a lot of times people don't really get the gist of harm reduction. They they hear harm reduction and they automatically think harm reduction, drugs, needles. And that's all they think. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they're so uneducated on it, which is why it's like my goal in life to tell people no, yes, but no, but maybe let's talk about it. So harm reduction is any time in any situation in your life where you are reducing harm. Mm-hmm. If you're eating low carb, harm reduction. If you look both ways when you cross the street, that shit's harm reduction too, because you are reducing the harm in your life. So I try to break it down to really simple, real life things that everyone, whether you're a substance use disorder, you're a gambler, you're a pastor, you can all use it. It is the basic of exactly what it says. It is reducing the harm in your life. For my clientele, it is where they are reducing the input of drugs that is giving them the issue in their life, or it is increasing the safety, therefore reducing the harm of how they take their drugs in. Mm-hmm. So for me, I encourage everyone. I mean, my my 70 something year old mother-in-law now carries Narcan. Um, I encourage everyone and their mama to carry Narcan. I give it away to free to Everyone and anyone, um, if my subscribers need it, all I have them do is pinch shipping and I'll send them as much Narcan as I can fit in the bag. Narcan is a vital in our society these days. Um, I will, I have multi, I've made, oh God, probably four videos. I've made TikToks, any, whatever I can do to get the word out on how to properly use Narcan. Um, I think that recovery is very personal to the person going through it the same Mm -hmm. way their trauma that they suffered is very individual and personalized to them so is their recovery for me i practice abstinence 
because that is the only thing in my life that has ever worked. Anytime I try and maintain or dabble or weekend or vacation it, that shit owns me within a month. And I'm very well aware of that now at 42 years of living and X amount of incarcerations and mistakes. I don't force that value or that view on anyone because everyone's not mean. I'm not everyone else. If mm-hmm. someone can say, hey, listen, Jem, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not shooting dope anymore. I'm just going to sniff it. That's harm reduction. Cool. That's awesome. Let me get you a box of clean straws. You know, that is, for me, that is the person getting onto that next step onto their pathway of whatever their recovery looks like to them. So if you say to me, um, I'm not going to shoot meth anymore. I'm just going to smoke it. I'm going to encourage that person because that is them reducing the amount of harm in their life. Absolutely. So I, think, I think it's really important for people to understand that abstinence is not the only way. And I feel like we put people in boxes and we set them up for failure when we say the only way you can be a part of this team is if you're completely abstinent. And I feel like that's shitty on our behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, as addicts, we are already our own worst critics and we already beat ourselves up enough. We don't need members of AA and NA and this and that. If you want to be a part of our team, you have to be this way or you have to be that way. If you want to be a part of my team, you have to do the best that you can do. For me, that's all that matters. If you are trying and, you know, let's face it, just being alive is really challenging at times, especially when you are homeless, you've lost your children, you don't have your medication, you don't have clean clothes, you have nowhere to brush your teeth. Who am I to go and put more stress on people and say, well, in order to use my services, you have to be this way. I'm no better than the people. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I just... <laughs> well, who, 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 who am I ever to decide what is best for you in your life? Correct. Right. That's uh, yeah, why. It's, it, yeah. Go ahead. Finish what you were saying. It's, 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 it's really participant driven, you know, where, where they, they might say to me, hey, Jen, listen. I want to go into detox this week because I need to clean it up a little bit. I'm not quitting, but I just need to clean it up a little bit. Who am I to tell them that's an inaccurate way to live their life? Because what happens if someone turns around and says to me, you can't work here because you don't smoke weed or you can't work here because you don't come out for drinks afterwards with the rest of the office. Right. How would I feel if they did that to me? So who am I to tell someone else that their way of living is inaccurate? I, I work with two uh, based on their two philosophies two pieces of philosophy or information for myself. Hey, I'm only there to help somebody help themselves. Mm-hmm. So they're the leader in the whole process. Correct. And number two, well, actually three. Number two is I believe every human being is created with the tools necessary to heal themselves. And I'm just there as a guide to stand by. Not not, um, not to agree. ever give advice that works for me, which who knows if it works for them or not. And then I'm supposed right. to be a great listener, right? I'm not supposed to be an advisor. I'm not supposed to be a rabbi or a pastor. I'm supposed to be a listener to help somebody hear themselves clearly and, exactly. and, and trust exactly. in their in the, in their process and help them as they move, help them help themselves as they move from yep. step, step to step. You every, know, you know, every time I sit down and I'm going to, I'm going to potentially work with someone, I tell them all the time, you know, I want you to do two things for me the next time we talk. And I really want you to think about it. I tell them, I want you to give me a short-term goal. 
and a long-term goal. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, short-term goal, something you want to do within the next month. I don't care if it's, you know, right now, go for a walk by yourself or, you know, go get a library card because it's something you've never done and you want to do it. I want the simplest short-term goal that you think is the most silliest that we can achieve together. And a long-term goal, tell me five years from now, 10 years from now, what you really want. It could be something as silly as, I want to buy a house. Or, you know, I've never been to Hawaii. I want to go to Hawaii. But I, I want, I, and the reason why I do this is because I want them to have something short and obtainable immediately so they can feel accomplished and like they are able to complete something. And a long-term goal, because let's face it, we all need a dream. I mean, my long-term goal, I still haven't achieved and that's to buy a house. So, you know, we all are allowed to dream, but we all know, we all also need to feel accomplished and capable and when you accomplish something in the very beginning and you felt like you never could get to that it's an amazing feeling and I want them all to have that feeling of pride and happiness and I, I just think those are two really important goals yeah short-term and long-term goals because when it's only long-term goals it's too far out correct and you know you you get disheartened because you're like this shit ain't never gonna happen and I just, it's, it's super important. I, I love it and admire it. This conversation has been unbelievable and fantastic. How do we find you? Oh, I'm all over the place these days. I feel like, um, I have a self-titled channel on YouTube. Uh, I'm also on TikTok, self-titled. I have, um, uh, Instagram account and my email is always open. If I could help, uh, especially if somebody is in the state of New York, because that's where my area of expertise is. Um, and I mean, wherever you can find me, by all means, please reach out. If I can help you, I absolutely will. God bless you. Thank, thank you for you. being you. And thank, thank you for you having for me. My pleasure. Well, thank you for taking all your pain and turning it into manners in which you help others. Absolutely. So, that's the greatest, the greatest gift we can give ourselves and others. So thank you for being you and showing up in the way you constantly show up. Thank you.